This is Rebecca Johnson of Supergirl Radio. And on Saturday, May 16th, I'm going to be broadcasting with DC TV podcasts in an effort to raise money for the Winship Cancer Institute. Winship is a very special place to me because it's the cancer treatment and research facility that saved my life from stage three breast cancer. Just think, if 100 people give $5 each, we can easily meet our goal to raise $500. You can donate anytime between now and Saturday. And when you do, you'll automatically be entered in a raffle to win prizes. During the podcast marathon on May 16th, I will be talking about Supergirl with special guest Michael Bailey of From Crisis to Crisis, the Superman podcast at 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To find out how to donate and where to listen, visit dctvpodcasts.com slash fundraiser. CBS officially picks up Supergirl. David Harewood describes Hank Henshaw. And we dive back into Smallville Season 7. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're joined by our special guest, Morgan Glennon, who is a writer for Buddy TV and a blogger for the Huffington Post. And she's going to help us talk more Smallville Season 7. Thanks for coming back to hang out with us, Morgan. Thanks for having me. We love it when you're on. Uh, But first up, as always, we have... The News. CBS has officially ordered Supergirl to series. Yay! Yay! (laughs) According to Deadline.com, Supergirl, the superhero drama co-created and executive produced by Greg Berlanti, is flying high at CBS with an early series order. I'm so excited about that. And we get to have more podcasts now. Um, <laughs> but uh, Deadline's Nellie Andriva wrote, quote, CBS originally landed the Supergirl pitch in September with a big series commitment. I hear the size of the commitment got trimmed during the pilot pickup stage, something the producer sacrificed so the project could go to production on time with their choices for director, Glenn Winter, and star, Melissa Benoist. Uh, the finished pilot had been getting good reviews, including solid feedback for Winter and Benoist's work. Now, I had a question about that. When they talk about it being trimmed back, do you, do you guys think that that's like a 13-episode thing? Or like, are they not going to have as many episodes as usual? Possibly, because um, 13 seems to be the, the lucky number now. I know they always start with 13, and then like if the show is a hit, they'll... they'll get the back nine but i wondered if that was like a 13 as a whole season yeah Mm. i'm wondering that as well i mean some of the shows recently have been doing really good with 13 episodes i think like empire was 13 and that got like the hugest ratings so maybe it's not even a particularly bad thing to get 13 anymore yeah no and i'd be surprised if it meant something bad for the show like despite the you know we had to wait a little bit for the um announcement that it was official 
you know, there, there's been nothing but positive opinions coming out about this show. So uh, I feel like the, like CBS still has faith in it and, you know, they'll be releasing it and, and putting as much behind it as they would any other show. Yeah, I, I mean, wonder if it was a, a budget thing, too, because they're going to have like a lot of special effects budgets and probably like flying and things like that. So might not have as much money around for 22. Everything seems to be pointing to, you know, good reviews and solid feedback. So, yeah, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a bad thing. Well, and they say it got trimmed during the pilot pickup stage. So that could have changed because basically it says that they wanted to be able to go to production on time. So they just agreed to it with a smaller commitment um, so that they could get Glenn Winter and Melissa Benoist and everybody together to do the pilot. So now that the pilot's been made and it's been, you know, getting good reviews, that might have changed since then. What I gather from this uh, quote from Deadline is that, you know, in order to just get it done, they they went ahead with a smaller commitment. And, you know, now it might be, a, you know, now it got picked up for a full series. Ah, cool. Mm. All right. Well, according to EW.com, quote, CBS won't say if the show will air in the fall or midseason, but will almost certainly announce that decision at its upfront presentation in New York, unquote, which is this week. <laughs> yes. So hopefully we'll hear more about where it's going to premiere. Yeah. And uh, Entertainment Weekly went on to say that, uh, quote, though Supergirl will be airing on the CW's parent network, Berlanti has already gone on record to say that the heroine exists in the same universe as the Scarlet Speedster and Emerald Archer. So we could be in for epic cross-network crossover with The Flash and Arrow and the superhero uh, team-up spinoff, um, which we now know is Legends of Tomorrow. Um, so crossover confirmed? I'm... It sounds really exciting. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard anybody say, like, for sure that it would be in the same universe. Because I, I know before that they were trying to, like, not say whether or not it would be. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that now that it's Entertainment Weekly saying that. Yeah, definitely. Well, at the House of Fraser BAFTA Television Awards, David Harewood spoke to Digital Spy about the CBS series, calling it a, quote, very exciting show. <laughs> he also said he had been studying up on comic book source material, calling Hank Henshaw a cool dude, but that he <laughs> hoped his portrayal would be entertaining as well as frightening. So uh, it seems like he'll be a, a guy that we will uh, want to keep our eyes on, but hopefully he'll be really scary as a villain should be. Uh, Harewood also thinks his two little girls are going to be, quote, tremendously excited to see Supergirl flying and kicking serious butt, unquote. <laughs> nice. That is awesome. And I have to say, I love when uh, when it's clear that somebody involved in a superhero, uh, you know, property, uh, you know, show, movie of any kind, uh, when they're not already familiar with it and then they have to do the research because I'm like, that just makes more nerds. I'm like, yeah. when <laughs> Once you start, you just can't stop. And soon you're going to be buying comics like every day. I'm so excited. Um, it's so just David creating Harewood, please, more little nerds. Please. <laughs> yes. No. And, uh, and I'm thrilled that, you know, he thinks that the show would be um, great for his little girls. So that means all the parents out there with little girls, you know, you've got a parent who's on the show who is, you know, excited that uh, his daughters are going to be able to see it. So that's, that's very promising. Um. All right. Well, that is the news. Uh, and I know that, um, you know, soon we're going to be having a trailer to discuss, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> uh, we can't wait for that. Are they um, going to release that this week sometime? We hope so. That is what That's we're hoping. Awesome. Um, yeah, I've been hearing like, you know, the 13th, the 14th. It's coming uh, within the next couple of days. 
But in the meantime, uh, we have Morgan here as our sort of resident uh, Smallville expert. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) A a dubious honor. (laughs) Somebody has to be the expert on Smallville. That's, That's true. Um, well, we uh, are ready to uh, continue our discussion of Smallville Season 7. Um, and uh, this week we're starting with uh, – we're doing three episodes. So, you know, strap yourselves into your seats and, and get ready. Uh, <laughs> we're starting with uh, the episode Lara, which is uh, Episode 6 of Season 7. And here's the official CW description. Clark, uh, played by Tom Welling, of course, learns that Kara, played by the fabulous Laura Vandervoort, is in Washington searching for the crystal, uh, searching for the the crystal, yes. Uh, Kara is captured after she breaks into the lab and sedated with a kryptonite-infused truth serum. The serum causes her to rele- uh, relive a prior trip to Earth when she followed Clark's biological mother, Lara, guest star Helen Slater, to the Kent farm. Uh, Clark arrives in time to save her, but after searing the machine with heat vision, he also falls victim to the serum and see what Kara sees, his mother. Very interesting episode. And uh, as somebody who is just learning about um, Supergirl and the whole Superman universe, uh, I thought it was really, really cool to see this take on their story and the fact that... uh, you know, Kara had been to Earth before. Um, yeah, that was really neat. Seeing her like on Earth with with Lara was was a really nice, and her whole relationship with Lara was like a really nice um, bit of the episode. I thought. Yeah, I like their interactions, and it's kind of fun to see two Supergirls playing off of one another. But mm-hmm. I always had issues with that because if they knew Krypton was gonna. <laughs> destroy itself why didn't they just stay on earth why did they like yeah. make field trips to earth and like go home i was like that makes no sense to me yeah they, and they did they, seem really laid back about the fact that they were probably all gonna die they were just like whatever <laughs> it's gonna happen I'm like why fight it <laughs> it's very true. They, me- they mentioned something like she says something about like i can't believe you used like one of the last trips or whatever to come here or something like they they said something briefly and now i forget what it was like kind of uh, to basically explain away that big plot hole by saying, oh, well, they can do this, but they're not going to be able to do it for long, so <laughs> wah. Um, but yeah, I, I was also like, why don't you just stay here, hang out, be super people on this other planet, whatever. And I guess we should mention while we're talking about this that there was a, an episode in season three. I don't know if you remember this, Morgan, because uh, this is way back. Uh, that's season three episode, Relic. When, oh God! <laughs> when yes, it's one of the worst episodes of Smallville. It's, it's yeah, it's 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 a tough one. That's that's a tough episode, and sadly, I I do remember it. <laughs> is that that's Jor-El like comes down to Earth and like falls in love with like ye old Lana, right? Yes, yes, one of uh, one of Lana's everybody everybody eventually fell in love with Lana. Like there was just no escaping that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so on the show. So they had previously set up that Kryptonians had come to Earth before. And that's well, how she knew where the the farm was, right? Like did, had he was he on the farm in that episode? I think so. I think so too. Because they only had like three sets, so he was probably <laughs> on, on the farm. <laughs> there were only three places he could be. So Pretty much. <laughs> 
But yeah, I thought it was interesting because it, it, you know, and I and I haven't seen that episode. So um, just going off of this, that uh, it seemed like the Kents were chosen for Clark as opposed to him just kind of crash landing and them being the people that happened to find him, which I thought was an interesting twist. Like they were chosen for a reason because they know how to love and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually something that kind of stood out to me in this episode um, with regard to Kara is the fact that like this is the first time on this show that I had seen her kind of you like use her feminine wiles <laughs> like to to get information or to whatever because obviously she's very she's you know super hot um, and you know guys kind of tend to fall all over themselves around her anyway but this is the first time that she actively kind of used that and like you know totally took that like nerd home to get information out of him and uh, getting into computers with, you know, Jimmy or whatever, even though she kind of, you know, really likes him. But um, what do you think of that? Like, as far as her using that to get what she wants, do you think that that, you know, enhances her character and it's like one of many things she she can do? Or do you think that diminishes her a little bit? Hmm. I thought that the, the whole scene with the with sort of the nerd that she picks up in the bar was was so ridiculous because she's like she's clearly has no interest in him as a human being and like anybody with basic social skills could like (laughs) tell this and like this guy did not seem like he was so far off that he wouldn't pick up that like the only question she's asking her about this crystal and yeah he's like this this chick is so into me she like cares about me as a person i'm like come on guy (laughs) be better I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like, he's supposed to be really smart, and yet he's falling for this. But at the same time, you know, it's like he he knows that that's all she cares about, but he's hoping to finagle that into something else. Like, he wants to impress her, and he's like, well, maybe if I keep her talking about UFOs and, like, my job, she'll want to sleep with me eventually. And no. Um, you would think that he would, like, question, though, like, how she knew about this top secret crystal, like, that she's, <laughs> like, really specifically asking about. Yes, he's, like, he's like, this girl is just, like, so on the money with this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that it diminishes her because I, I actually think it makes her stronger because she's smart. I think it makes her smart. And I'm sort of that old school, like charlie's angels camp where <laughs> i i don't see the 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 angels as you know just being the sexy uh angels for just to be sexy they did it to get information and do like nobody says that about james bond like oh that diminishes well, him totally. because he you know uh uses his uh his attractiveness and his uh his uh charismatic ways to get what he wants so i i thought she was really uh awesome in the way like (laughs) she got a little aggressive with the guy like she shoves him up you know against the wall but uh i i thought it showed that she was smart and she understood the the ways of the human race (laughs) basically uh because she didn't act like an alien she acted like one of us and so i thought that showed that she adapted to our culture yeah, it was That's funny what, how quickly she had, like, picked that up. She was like, I'm hot. Let's use this. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and I'm hot. And, and this particular type of person would be very, like, you know, receptive to what I have to offer. Right. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And I'm glad you brought up James Bond because, you know, so few people do. And, like, he's a total hoe bag. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and to- it's totally, you know, totally flirts with people and shows leg to get what he wants. Um, that's true. Nobody's yeah. like, James Bond, why are you so sexy? <laughs> I know, right? Stop being so hot. hot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're, 
you're a fake spy. You're only, you know, pretending to be a spy so you can get women's attention. Um, <laughs> anyway. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, speaking of the, the guys that she interacts with, uh, what about her um, interaction with Jimmy? Jimmy Olsen, a grown man, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen. J- James Grown Man Olsen, which James is how Grunman. I think of him all the time now, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I know I'm not going to be able to watch the new Supergirl show without thinking James Grown Man Olsen. I thought it was interesting. I liked how he was like picking up on the fact that like she was learning things so quickly. He was like, oh, I taught you how to like use a computer yesterday. And she's like hacking into the Pentagon. He's like, that's weird. <laughs> he like doesn't question it too much. He's like, "That's that makes sense that you can do that now." But I love too that he that seems to like draw him to her. You know, like he appreciates that she's like that smart. You know, he's not he's not threatened by that in any way. He's not like you know put off by that. He's like, "Wow, that's really cool that you like can hack computers now." I really loved at the end when Kara, after she does the hacking, though, she goes to the Daily Planet and apologizes to him for, like, um, you know, doing that and kind of running off. Because she does one of those little disappearing acts that a lot of superheroes do. And I I thought that was nice because I got the feeling in these episodes that she genuinely cared about Jimmy and liked him. And so I thought it was very sincere that she went over to apologize to him. Now, just, uh, of course, because we have to talk about Ms. Helen Slater, um, what do we think about her performance uh, as Lara and her being cast in that role? I thought she was great. And as I was watching this episode, I was remembering the picture um, of of her and uh, Melissa Benoist from a couple of weeks ago. And I was thinking, my God, has she aged at all? Like, is, yeah. she, is she a Cylon? Is she like Benjamin Buttoning back into <laughs> child? I just, I don't understand. <laughs> I know it's so not fair. It's like she's just always like she looks exactly the same no matter what, and it's amazing. She um, might actually be Supergirl. I think we might have uncovered something here. <laughs> I actually like I, I what I realized watching this, um, especially after watching after having watched uh, Supergirl for the podcast, was I love her voice. I've realized she has a very. I could see why they cast her as Kryptonians. Like she has a very you know. Uh, heightened, almost like kind of classical voice that's perfect for that kind of character. And I really liked that. Uh, and listening to her as as Lara, um, she sounded like really regal and really, you know, uh, it was great. Yeah, I think regal uh, is a good word for that because she did come across as having that kind of presence. And, and, I, and I love their relationship too. The, uh, the fact that, um, like it, it almost seemed like, you know, she's, Kara's favorite aunt. I mean, obviously her only aunt, but you know, like it was like that that relationship of like you love going to her house, you love chatting with her. It was it was really sweet. Yeah, they had such a good rapport, and like it was the only they the, this was only like a couple of scenes that they had together, but you could totally see like you know you could imagine you know Kara following Laura around and like Laura teaching her things. Like you could sort of see a whole history between the two of them. Definitely. Well, unless anybody has any final thoughts uh, about this episode, since we're talking about three today, we should probably uh, get on over to the next one. Um, well, any I actually final have thoughts? a question about this one. So yeah. how, what do we think of um, the, like, the reveal about her, Kara's father in this, in this episode? Because he's kind oh, of, yes. he's kind of evil. Like, well, yeah, he's kind of evil in the way that Smallville people are evil, which is that there's a love triangle involved. <laughs> That's the only way you can be evil on Smallville. There has to be a love triangle. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's like in love with Lara and he wants to like take over Earth, but like in a really romantic way. <laughs> In a kind of yeah. a molesty, romantic way. Yeah, in a molesty, creepy, gonna clone her if he can't have her way. Like, he's like, I yeah, have your exactly. DNA. What? <laughs> That's normal, so creepy. Normal, roma- normal romance stuff. <laughs> he's not a good dude in several tellings of her story. And I'm like, wow, that another reason why she has a chip on her shoulder and is so angry. It's like clear daddy issues <laughs> in addition to everything else. Yeah, and in this story, Kara believes that her father is a good man and she wants to prove that to Clark. And then when she, uh, when you see these kind of flashbacks, it's, it made me feel sorry for Kara that all that belief Mm -hmm. that she had in her father was misplaced because he was a bad guy. And it was, it was pretty gross the way he was uh, treating Laura. And so I, I felt really bad for Kara that she didn't have a father who uh, genuinely was a good guy. And I think that's why she, I don't want to say that's why she bonds with Clark, but I think in some ways Clark is sort of a father figure to her. Mm-hmm. I think in one of the episodes of Smallville, somebody says, you know, you're not her father, Clark. But, yes. But, mm-hmm. but I think in some ways he takes that upon himself to be a good example for her. And I think that's what she wanted in Zorel and didn't get. Yeah, I think she was a lot more resistant to Clark in the earlier episodes. And then after this episode and like remembering what had actually happened with her father, because he had sort of wiped out her memories of of uh, of remembering this sort of interaction between him and, and Laura. She I think she sort of accepts Clark more and she sort of realizes that they're sort of in it together. And uh, and maybe he's not so far off, like questioning whether or not her dad was a good dude. And I have to just give a shout out to uh, to Laura Vandervoort's performance too, because uh, that moment when she's actually seeing her father do these things and and you know playing younger, you know, because obviously this is earlier in her childhood, and it was really heartbreaking. It was like one of the few moments in the episode where I was really like, oh God, it sucks that she has to see this. Like that's horrible. And and she did a great job. Well, our second episode for this discussion is Fracture. Here's the official CW description. Lois follows Lex to Detroit and discovers he has found Kara, who has amnesia. Finley, a busboy who is obsessed with Kara, fears Lex will take her away. So he shoots Lex and holds Kara and Lois captive. After Lex's comatose body is found, Chloe offers to heal him, but Clark refuses to let her. And wackiness ensues! (laughs) Um, yeah, now, just just for some background, because, again, like... uh, so how did she get amnesia? She just kind of started the episode with amnesia, and I imagine I missed something in a previous episode. So I feel like this is a really great question that I don't have the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow she got amnesia, and as you do when you have amnesia, you just become a, a small-town waitress. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what you do uh, when you're trying to like leave your past behind. Buffy did it. It's All true. the cool kids are doing it. All the cool kids uh, that's crazy. I did so, think it was fitting that she became a waitress in this like amnesia life because she had previously been a waitress at the Talon. So it sort of made sense that she would kind of gravitate gravitate towards that when she didn't know she who was she like, was. She was like, this feels right. Yeah. <laughs> I love well, that of all then- the... The name she picked for herself, that's like from the comics, right? It's yes. uh, was Linda Linda Danvers. Yeah. Linda Danvers, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a neat little shout out in a mm-hmm. very strange storyline. Yeah, and that's actually the first time, because, uh, you know, in, in the 
next episode we're going to talk about, she's also Linda Danvers. Yep. Um, so that's her go-to name for, for undercover and or amnesia. Um, but Rebecca, yes. do you remember why she got amnesia? That's such a good question because I think that is connected. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> I think that is connected. I didn't go back and watch some of the episodes before Fracture, but I think it has to do, I think there is like a, uh, there's an episode called Blue, I think, and there's some sort of, the the whole thing revolves around some blue crystal. So I think there is something about, I think there is an explanation, but unfortunately I did not go back and figure that out. <laughs> but <laughs> we're just going to go on the assumption that somehow she has amnesia and maybe one of the listeners can fill us in on that Smallville trivia. Please do, anyone. Um, well, and, and I think, I mean, it must have something to do with Lex because obviously he, um, you know, was trying to help her, quote, end quote, help her. Um, but definitely, I'm sure, has his own agenda in that, you know, he knows who she is. Um, he knows she's connected to Clark and in helping her retrieve her memories, he probably expects to get some information that he's been, you know, trying to find out for some time. Yeah, I am. I'm sort of torn on the whole Lex thing because there's part of me that knows that he has an agenda that he was, uh, kind of, I don't know, in some respects betrayed by Clark because over time, over their friendship, like he knew Clark was lying to him about stuff. And I think he wanted to figure out what Clark was about by going through Kara. But there's also parts parts of me that think that he genuinely cares about her. Like there's a scene at the end of this episode when they're in the Talon and there's that you know blatant product placement uh, where Kara is <laughs> listening to some music, but he he seems like he's genuinely concerned about her and caring about her, and he even gives her like a a necklace of the patron saint of lost souls, and and he seems to seek her out and try to find her in this amnesia place where she where she is in this diner because he's concerned about her. So I'm sort of mixed on that. Yeah, well, I think it was more like I think Lex was sort of trying to like redo the friendship that he had lost with Clark with Kara because he was, you know, oh. he, he and he and Clark had sort of fallen out pretty thoroughly at this point. And it was all about, you know, as everything was in Smallville secrets and lies. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, um, and I think that he thought that this was maybe his second chance to like start off on a new foot with somebody who he clearly knew had something was had powers or had something going on and like maybe if he like present if he came at it a different way she would be honest with him and he could have that kind of relationship that he wanted to have with Clark with her that's an interesting point I like that uh that interpretation of it um because yeah I the whole let's go into uh Lex's brain and you know <laughs> save his inner child thing was really his actual inner to me. child. By the way, for people who haven't watched this episode, Clark oh, has yeah. to go into Lex's mind um, to find out where Lois and Kara are, and uh, so there's an evil version of Lex, which is a full-grown adult man in a white suit, mm-hmm. as as evil versions are, and then the good version of Lex is literally his inner child, like an actual child who runs around in his mind and hides in in like little cubby holes. Yeah, but it's, he's so uh, it's, cute. It's not. It's not very subtle. He is adorable, <laughs> and and I love that he is. You know that Clark does befriend him, and you know, and I get it. And Clark can't help but play therapist and be like, you know, 
I want you to promise me that you will always fight. Like he's trying to convince the inner child to like stay strong. Um, but then he kind of sees evil older Lex, you know, threatening, you know, physically harming the uh, the younger inner child version. And this isn't real. This is all manifestations of Lex's brain. There's not an actual child. So why Clark felt the need to go save him instead of going through the red door like he was supposed to, you know, none of this bad stuff toward the end of the episode would have happened if Clark would have just remembered, hey, this isn't real. Maybe if I pop out of this, it'll be okay. Well, Clark and uh, Lex had a very complicated relationship. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were Facebook status. It's complicated for a very long time. <laughs> Well, I I love the the line. There's nothing that's lost that can't be found again. Um, uh, Lex says that to you know the Linda Danvers, uh, but that's also something that Clark tells Lex later. And I think there's a a big theme of identity in this episode where there's you know Lex trying to figure out. Well, he's not trying to, but I guess Clark is trying to figure out who the real Lex is, and and uh, Kara's trying to kind of figure out and remember her life. So I like that the idea that they might be these lost souls, but you can figure out who you are again, because even Lex uh, says to Kara, he says, you know, that Linda name, it doesn't suit you. So uh, I think over time they try to kind of figure out who they are. It was, it was a very like therapisty episode. Mm -hmm. Like, who are (laughs) you? What's going on inside? Like it was very, it was all about that. Um, No, it's, the themes were, were very on the nose. It's like yeah. you weren't guessing what this episode might have been about. Like it was there was no metaphor involved. It was it was all just on the surface. The, the subtext was was text. It, um, <laughs> but I, something that like kind of bothered me a little bit about like from a plot perspective was because uh, we just talked about episode six uh, where. You know, there. Um, Kara is under that truth serum, that kryptonite truth serum, and uh, has to, you know, and and you see flashes of her memory, and Clark, you know, kind of gets into her head and sees that too. So now we're six episodes away from that, and something very similar happens in that he has to go into, you know, uh, Lex's mind. <laughs> And I thought it was weird that like he didn't he he didn't like bring up the fact that this had just happened a couple of episodes <laughs> ago. Like, oh, I'm gonna have to go into somebody's mind again, or I'm gonna see somebody's memories again. Like, because uh, they're acting. Of, that was one of the joys of watching Smallville is that they would do these things over and over again, but nobody had any recollection, probably because of all the um, all the hits to the head that they had like, <laughs> been through it before. I, the fact that they all didn't have amnesia by season seven or like a really traumatic brain injury is I think pretty amazing. But like people would like become evil pretty much on the regular and nobody was like, Hey, isn't it weird that Clark is evil again? Like, wasn't he evil last Thursday? <laughs> like, nobody, yeah. nobody pointed that out. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, I figured that'd be something, you know, he'd remember like, Hey, this, this happened. Um, Not even that long ago. Not even lo- – no, six episodes ago, like <laughs> a couple days ago in TV world. Like I don't uh. – uh, anyway, final thoughts about uh, the episode Fracture before we move on. Well, this isn't about Fracture, but it was bothering me because I couldn't remember why Kara had amnesia. So I went on the most reliable source of news that there is, which is Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. apparently it was in the episode Blue, which is actually directed by Glenn Winter – which is, I believe, ah. the director of the Supergirl pilot. That is it all correct. comes full and, uh, circle. Yes. 
And it said that Clark used Kara's crystal to resurrect his mother, Lara, but unknowingly brings Zorel back. Lara unwittingly gives Clark a blue kryptonite ring that strips his powers while Zorel tries to take over the world. And then it said Clark gets to the fortress and shatters the crystal, which destroys Zorel and Lara. Kara is transported to dis- Detroit, Michigan, with no memory of who she is. <laughs> I love that and it was in Detroit. That informs, was so random. Yeah, I know. Informs Clark there will be consequences for his repeated defiance. But like, even that description doesn't tell me how she got amnesia, does it? No, it's, it's it tells us how she got to Detroit, which, you know, <laughs> which is not is the important part of to that. Eight Mile, <laughs> where she becomes a rap star. <laughs> I would watch that episode. That would be oh amazing. God. Jeez. My final thought about this episode is that I, I liked that even though she had amnesia, she was still kind of Supergirl in a way. Like there's there's even a deleted scene that I watched on the DVD that I, I think I remember seeing before. But uh, the the scene is basically Kara trying to talk that, that bus boy down from, uh, although I kind of wish, <laughs> I know this sounds terrible, but he has a gun to Lois's head. And I'm like, oh, Kara, yeah. Kara, really? Don't talk him down. Let him do whatever he needs to do. Um, oh, no. Karen, now's not the time. Uh, yeah, th- <laughs> this is not my favorite uh, Lo- uh, Lois Lane ever. It's kind of, she's like on the low end of the totem pole. Um, she's kind of not great. She's a but, uh, <laughs> but that was mainly a joke. I know a lot of people love that, Lois. But uh, but basically in the scene, Kara's like talking him down from trying to kill her. And I, I sort of really liked that because it showed that she still cared for people and she was still trying to want to save someone and and she even tried to like encourage him a little bit and so I thought that was good that even though she didn't remember that uh you know maybe she didn't remember her life she still had that inside her that she wanted to help someone else that's actually a really great uh a great thing to remember it's true and I think uh rather than this showing that she was still Supergirl it shows that she's still Kara Mm. Um, cause you know, she didn't know about her powers. She didn't, you know, know any of that, but the, the humanity for lack of a better word, cause she's Kryptonian. Um, but all of that stuff that makes her Kara, uh, was still there. That's a good point. Yeah. That's very neat. Like she, she still had that instinct to try to help people. Um, which is also apparently why she gets so drawn to waitressing, I guess. It's part <laughs> yes, of that. She wants to serve people. <laughs> full like, circle. We've come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't fly or save you from a building, but I can make you pie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, anywho. Our, uh, That's an our important fact- superpower. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't make pie. Um and I'm bad at serving it, too. I'm a horrible waitress. Anyway, um, our final episode is uh, the episode Apocalypse, which is episode 18 of season seven. Um, and here's the official CW description of that. Uh, Clark sees what life would be like if he had never arrived on Earth. So this is basically the It's a Wonderful Life episode of mm-hmm. Smallville. Um, and Tom Welling directed it. Uh Clark discovers that Kara sent messages from Krypton in the past that indicate that Brainiac, guest star James Marsters, wants to kill baby Kal-El so Clark won't exist in the future. Clark is torn because he thinks the world would be better off if he'd never arrived in Smallville. Uh, Jor-El arranges for him to see what his life would have been like if Clark hadn't existed. Uh, Lex is president of the United States. Kara is raised by the Luthers. Jonathan is alive, Lana is happily married, and Chloe and Lois are ace reporters. 
Um, yeah, I actually liked this uh, liked this episode just because it was fun. Um, it was first- it was it was both. It, it's a wonderful life and Terminator. Like it was, yeah. it was both somehow both of those things it's at once. True. <laughs> it was both of those things. Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, since you know we got always got to start with our girl first. Uh, what did we think about Kara, aka Linda Danvers, in this episode? Uh, we we'll start with you, Morgan. Yeah, I thought she was really interesting in this episode because you could sort of see her battling with, uh, you know, between right and wrong. And she obviously had so much loyalty to Lex because she had grown up with him, but she could see that what he was doing was completely wrong. And so she sort of switches sides towards the end of the episode and, uh, and is on Clark's side, which I thought was interesting. Like it's again, like her instincts taking over, like you can only push Kara so far before she starts trying to save people. (laughs) Definitely. What do you think, Rebecca? Oh, yeah. No, I, I would agree. I, I love I love the scene with her and Lex in the mansion. She she says, you're like my brother, Lex. You know, I'll always be loyal to you. Like, I think she wanted to have that loyalty to him because of how she grew up. And that's that's a thing I think they played with uh, a couple of times on Smallville where, like, there was another episode, I think, later on in the series where Clark is raised by the Luthers. Uh, so that's, that's something they'd like to play with. You know, what, what if one of the, the Kents or one of the, the super aliens grew up with the, the evil family? Uh, so I, I think it's interesting because she wants to be loyal, but then when she sees someone doing the wrong thing and she, she changed sides because she had that evidence. She mm. had that thing from Lois that uh, that showed that the the weapons or whatever didn't really exist. That they there were there was no uh, missiles threatening the United States, and so she she could see clearly that this was the wrong thing, and so that's why uh, she kind of switched sides. And so yeah, I like that. I like that she, even though she started out off being kind of a government lackey, which I know a lot of people like when they talk about the Dark Knight Returns with Superman. People don't like Superman being the governmental lackey. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of what I thought of Kara or, or Linda in this episode is that she's the one going around arresting. I kind of loved, again, that she arrested this Lois. I was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> uh, put her in jail. Put her away. Put her in jail. But, Throw uh, away the key. But, uh, but, you know, she's the one kind of going around doing kind of the heavy lifting and the, that kind of grunt work. And she uh, she turns around and, and does for the good of people in the end. So I really like that. Yeah. yeah, I think I think for Smallville, a theme for that show was always the nature versus nurture thing. Like how much of your personality is your upbringing? How much of it is innate? And you saw that a lot with like the Lex and, and Clark of it all. And I think you in this episode, you see it with her, too, because even though she was brought up by the Luthers and she's kind of, you know, she's kind of a hard ass and she's got her like her no nonsense bun and her heavy eye makeup. <laughs> like at the last minute, she was like, just because I, you know just because I was raised as a Luther doesn't mean like I'm not, I'm going to let you like blow up the earth essentially. Yeah. So she sort of changes sides because like her innate, um, you know, her innate personality is to help people. So she's not going to let, even though she's loyal to Lex, she's not going to let him, you know, blow up the world basically. Right. Which is, you know, good. Yeah. Uh, it seems reasonable. <laughs> seems reasonable. 
One thing that I was actually kind of fascinated by with uh, this version of Linda Danvers um, was that she seemed like, you know, like obviously her powers were a secret, you know, and the fact that she was found in – and a spaceship was a secret that they, you know, they all kept. And she seemed very ashamed of that, um, which is interesting because no, the Kara that we're used to is the one that's like, you know, crushing things willy nilly and like doesn't care who knows. And she's brash and she, you know, it's and, and so it was interesting to see a version of Kara that was more careful and that um, kind of wasn't thrilled that she was so different. Like she wanted to. You know, she really wanted to be a part of this family and kind of, you know, stand by Lex and 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 do good and defend the country and and all of that. And uh, uh, at the expense of herself, which, you know, thank goodness changed. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. You kind of see a character that's more like Clark is on Smallville, where he grew up with human parents who told him, like, stop, you know, lifting trucks in the air with your bare hands. And (laughs) and so so he's always been kind of weird about his powers. And when Kara shows up, she's like, well, this is awesome. I'm just going to, like, you know, rip off the door to this elevator. No one's going to care. And uh, (laughs) but in this version, we see her much more like Clark, where she's like hiding her powers. And then I also think it was the. um in this future Lex had started some sort of like maybe meteor freak registration thing. Like he had like run on a platform, like meteor freaks are going to kill us. Yeah. (laughs) Which having watched Smallville is not honestly the most uh, illogical platform to run on, but yeah. Yeah. And, and I like that you can sort of see the change in her uh, visually through her wardrobe. I I think Smallville, one of the things I appreciated on, on that show was that, you uh, you could see that through the clothes that they wear. Like when she is Linda Danvers, the government lackey, she's in the kind of FBI uh, garb, which is just the black and white. And then when you see her later on uh, Krypton, she has the, the blue and red. You know, she's changed. She's become Supergirl again. And so I like that distinction between uh, visually between uh, what she's wearing. Yeah, they do do a lot of, uh, of great things visually with her. Um and now I'm just thinking of uh, the episode we just talked about, Fracture, where, like, she um, – just looking at her in childhood and, like, the pastels and, you know, yeah, having her – Yeah, she had her hair up in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally – like, she looked like a member of the Babysitter's Club. It was so <laughs> yeah. cute. She, she did. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's so convenient that Krypton fashion was so much like her own. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> you know, she would just blend right in. Um I liked in that one episode though when they when they go to the the Kent farm and and Kara thinks that the horse stalls is like where they live. She's like, oh <laughs> yeah. God, these humans are weird. <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious, um, and that that actually is something that that she kind of through all of these um, the idea of of Earth being kind of dirty and being like something that needs to be either controlled or or kind of, you know, looked at suspiciously. Like, she's not quite sure about these humans. Um, even on her best days, she's kind of like, mm, I don't know. I mean, you guys are cute and all, but... Eh. <laughs> but uh, anyway, because j- we're uh, kind of running over the time that we, uh, you know, wanted to spend on episode chat today, but are there any final... Um, thoughts about the episode apocalypse i just like i liked uh i like getting to see a different side of Kara. it was it was neat to see her in her little fbi like 
straight laced garb instead of her uh, her red and blue and sort of running around town trying to solve crime. She was a, a lot more like undercover in this one. It was it was neat to see the contrast. Yeah, and I was struck by how because I we watched um, Superman Unbound a little while ago, and there was that whole thing uh, between Supergirl and Brainiac, and how that really affected her encountering Brainiac. That you know he sort of was taking her home from her. And after watching that, I was struck by how in this episode she was face to face with Brainiac again, and so I really. I kind of love the Supergirl versus Brainiac stories. So I'm I'm, cross, I'm crossing my fingers. We'll get something like that on CBS because I think there is something to that about how he tries to take uh, civilizations and um, and cultures and kind of take them for Absorb himself. Them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think Supergirl would be a character who would go up against that because uh, she's been face to face with him before. So I really like that in this episode. Yeah, that would be really neat to see in the um, in the CBS series. I do have one last thought that I just remembered, which is I don't know if any of you watch um, Jane the Virgin on oh, um, yeah. the CW. It's a great show, and everybody who's listening to this should just go out right now and start watching you should it. Watch it, but yes. but so in the episode where the the it's a wonderful life Clark Kent episode, the um, the kid that um, that Martha and Jonathan have instead of Clark is actually Michael from. Jane the Virgin, which I thought was crazy. Oh my god! Yes, go back and, just, and watch that like one second of that episode. It, it I had to rewind you it. Just blew my mind. Yeah, blew my mind. <laughs> and he looks like a tiny baby child. It's it's that, it's quite endearing. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm gonna have to go and check that out. Um, all right. Well, that was our little chunk of Smallville for uh, this week. Um, we're certainly going to be talking about the series more as uh, the podcast goes on. Uh, But that wraps it up for today. And uh, now, as we always do at the end of every podcast, let's get to some listener feedback. We got an email from a listener named Turtle Fan who wrote in about our episode about Supergirl Candor saying, quote, I especially liked the end when you were commenting on why it was good to have different versions of a character. I likened it to different versions of Shakespeare's characters. Although his words are basically written in stone, there are so many ways to portray the characters, and I usually enjoy seeing the different interpretations that people come up with. I once saw a thoroughly modern version of A Midsummer's Night's Dream that took place in an urban environment, and it was great. So I think that's a good comment, and uh, Shakespeare has been done over and over and over and over again. Exactly. Uh, But I'm one of those people uh, who who loves to go uh, see any kind of performance, especially, you know, a Shakespearean play uh, and, and and to see what someone uh, will bring to it. There's actually a, a place uh, near me. It's a it's like a Shakespearean uh, theater that's kind of like a dinner theater type thing. And so they do different uh, variations on Shakespeare, too. So I think that's a really good point. And even commenting back on, you know, my dislike for this particular small billion ver- version of Lois Lane, <laughs> this this may be a version that I don't like. But there are other versions of Lois Lane that I can uh, can go and uh, and watch as well. So it's it's great. That's that's one of the benefits to having a lot of different uh, portrayals is that one person might like this one and the other person might like this one. So uh, I, I think that's a really good point. And I Definitely. think when you have such like a long running story, you almost have to 
do different versions of the characters because, you know, when was Supergirl introduced? Like how many years ago? If it was the same Supergirl story over and over and over again, I mean, that would get so repetitive. Would people even still keep reading it? I mean, I think it's the variations. Like this Supergirl is like this and this Supergirl is like that. That makes it interesting as long as the crux to the character is there. Um, it's 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 fun to see like how different writers like what interpretation they bring to it. Definitely, and like you know, comparing you know something it might seem silly to some people to compare uh, you know something like a superhero story to something like Shakespeare, but I'm glad that uh, Turtle Fan did just because. Um, superhero stories are basically are like modern mythology. They're mm-hmm. a modern pop mythology, and like they are how we process the world. They're how we write and you know talk about our values. They're you know so they they capture both what the writer is trying to say about the world, and they capture what you know people are feeling, like what the viewers and what the readers are are feeling at the moment. Um, so yeah, you need characters to, to kind of be explored by different people in different ways because, you know, we change and, you know, we, at, at different points in our lives, we need the characters to be something different. Um, what I needed as a little girl reading, you know, the stories I read is very different than what I need now. So, right. Um, yeah, and I think it's actually a really good comparison because if you think about it, how many other stories are there that are you know, that stay the same sort of, that have that long of a history, you know, it's Shakespeare. Everybody always redoes, redoes Shakespeare. And then, you know, the comic books, which are long running, which have run for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah. I kind of think of it as like, um, like Greek mythology too. Like you have these godlike people who, you know, do crazy stuff and, you know, and through them we see our own behavior. Um, yeah, it's exactly, I mean, this isn't new. It's just now they wear capes and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and lots of spandex. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, moving on to another listener, we heard from a listener named Michael who wrote to us saying, I just wanted to say I'm really enjoying your podcast and looking forward to the TV show. Uh, I've got an 11-year-old daughter and it can be hard to find comics that I think she'll relate to and enjoy uh, that aren't appropriate for the age group. I have to agree with your comments in the previous episodes where you complained that the Supergirl portrayed in the trade comics doesn't really feel like a teenage girl. They capture it pretty well in the cartoons, but just can't seem to make the transition to print. It's funny because normally it's the other way around, but my opinion, but in my opinion, Supergirl TV just does a better job. Um, yeah, I mean, we already kind of talked about that a little bit, uh, you know, in the podcast. And first of all, thank you for listening so much. And, uh, uh, we hope that, you know, your daughter can give us a listen, too. Um, it is interesting that, like, you know, you have a lot of older people writing, you know, trying to write a 16-year-old. Um, and in my opinion, this is kind of where, you know, it it would be helpful if, you know, the creators of comics were more diverse. Um, this is why it's important to have... Um, you know, more women writing comics, uh, you know, more minorities writing comics and all of that. But in this case, specifically women, um, because women can certainly remember better what it's like to be a 16-year-old girl. Um, you know, men can remember what it's like to be 16, but there are very specific experiences and challenges that a a young girl goes through um, that are best told through experience. And uh, yeah, so I feel like, and, and we haven't yet read any Supergirl Written by a woman, which is very telling. 
so yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. And I wonder if it also, uh, Michael mentioned like the, the TV incarnations of Supergirl. I, I also wonder if like the portrayals have something to do with it. Like we have Nicole Tom and Laura Vandervoort here in Smallville. And so I, I think there is something to hearing the tone of how they say certain things or how they act. Like, um, I, I think that has a lot to do because you don't get that in the print. You don't get that from a comic book. You just have the words. You don't get their intonation and their, their personality that comes out. That's a really good point because they can bring their own experiences as having been a 16-year-old girl to the table. So even Mm -hmm. if, say, the writing is not quite there, they can sort of imbue it with, you know, with some truth. Whereas if, uh, you know, on the page, that doesn't always translate. Totally. That is a really awesome, awesome point. (laughs) Um, And I want to thank all of the... Uh, voice actresses who've done Supergirl uh, for doing such a great job because I do think that that has a lot to do with it and uh, is a big part of what makes me enjoy the uh, the animated versions of Supergirl uh, so much as well. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we are a part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like Gotham, Arrow, and The Flash, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And be sure to stay connected to DC TV Podcasts for updates on our marathon fundraiser for the Winship Cancer Institute on Saturday, May 16th. Michael Bailey will be joining me because Teresa, as a good fan would, has a convention she's got to go to. <laughs> so um, I'm so sorry to miss this, but I, I know you guys are going to do an awesome job and everybody should totally be listening. Yeah, so unfortunately, Teresa can't be there, but uh, Michael Bailey, who is a fan favorite on this podcast, is going to be joining me from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on May 16th uh, to talk about Supergirl in the uh, Superman the Animated Series. So for more information, head over to DCTV Podcast, that's with an S, dot com slash fundraiser to find out where to listen and how to donate. And Morgan, where can our listeners find you on the Internet? Sure. They can find some of my writing on buddytv.com where I cover shows from Mad Men to Rain and Pretty Little Liars. So I kind of the whole gamut. They can find me on Twitter um, at Mojotastic and they can find my writing blog um, at writingmorgan.tumblr.com. Awesome. Thank you so much again for being here, Morgan. Oh, thank Um, you guys for having me. So much fun. And uh, as for me, you can always find me uh, every day at The Mary Sue, which is themarysue.com. Um, I, my personal blog is The Teresa Giacino Experience, which is teresagiacino.wordpress.com. And you can find me uh, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Experience, and on Twitter and Instagram at Teresa Giacino. You can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And join us next week when we will be discussing Supergirl Way of the World. Till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. And remember, there's nothing that's lost that can't be found again. (laughs) 